guys just enter into the rest that's just in the room, I, I, uh, I could smell a, a fragrance, like a sweet fragrance just ascending up out of us uh, to the Father. Now, he is pleased with you. Father is pleased with our worship this morning. It's moved his heart, it's got his attention. transparent this morning. I'm a, I'm a little nervous because uh, during worship, the Lord, I just know that I can't, like, I can't get into my message right now. I don't know why. It's like, the Lord is like, no, I don't want you to go there. That's all I had prepared. <laughs> but I hear this, right? So even during that song, King of My Heart, you know, we keep singing, you are good, you are good over and over and I kept hearing this verse out of Psalm 27 over us that I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then David says this, he says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And I feel just this weight of verse 13 over us this morning. Like I almost feel like this is, this is the charge that the Lord is actually giving to us this morning. That in all of the things that we do, he's looking at us. I just feel the eyes of heaven on us this morning giving us this charge, believe. Believe. Unless I had believed, I would have lost heart. And unless I had believed, and I just feel just this weightiness on this this morning, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see, right, that we would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Anytime that the promised land is referenced, you know, it's always compared with this land flowing with milk and honey, right? It's, it's a fertile land, it's fertile soil. And we are a Goshen. We are a safe place. We are abiding in this secret place. We are hidden under the shadow of the Most High. So I could just feel the heart of the Father towards us this morning, looking, will you believe? And we would have lost heart unless we had believed that we would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So Father, I, I pray and I just declare this over us, Lord. Lord, I pray that even um, beyond our understanding, there would become this, this boldness. You know, Alex, thank you, man, for, for sharing what you see. I pray, Lord, that we would become like lions in our believing. 
that we would become like roaring lions in our believing. And I even pray that as voices of unbelief would try to come and stir up doubt, regardless of, of what we are seeing and hearing around us, the charge to us this morning is to believe and to roar and to proclaim that we believe that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I just wanna just prophesy over America and over this region that this is a land of the living. This is the land of the living, not the dead. And I believe that we will see the goodness of the Lord in our nation. And I believe that we will see the goodness of the Lord manifest here in this region. So, Father, anywhere where there has been hope deferred, I pray for a desire fulfilled, with, which is a tree of life. Lord, I pray healing over hope deferred this morning. Lord, I pray honey over hope deferred. Honey over hope deferred, desire fulfilled. Jesus, you know, I, I, um, I'm reminded of what, this is the importance of seeing ourselves only according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. Jeremiah says something pretty profound according to the, the heart of uh, the fleshly heart. He says, man, the heart is, is deceitful and above all desperately wicked. Right? When I'm not in the spirit, I cannot trust even my own heart, my own desires, my own, uh, my own wants. This is the whole relation to honey being the new wine is that I would stop asking according to what I see in the flesh. And I would, I would align myself to ask and to press in to pray for what I see in the spirit. Lord, help us to have eyes to see in the spirit, even in this moment right now. Lord, enlighten the eyes of our understanding. I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation over us, that we would continue to grow deeper in wisdom and revelation, that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. There's this correlation between wisdom and honey all throughout the scriptures. And, and um, sometimes I think that I often think it's wise in the answer I give, right? I think that wisdom is only in the answers that I give. And I think sometimes I need just as much wisdom in the questions that I ask that I do in the answers I give. Like I want the wisdom prayer from heaven, right? And we're gonna get into 1 Samuel chapter 14. We'll finish this up today, but I want the right prayer. I want the right prayer in the right moment, in the right time that unlocks something in the spirit. It's like, uh, maybe like a hose that is shut up, right? If you don't have the water on, I mean, there's nothing coming out. 
in that wisdom prayer, that wisdom question is the thing that turns on the spigot. Now listen, it may take a moment for that water to travel through the hose and there could be some loops in it, but I'm telling you what, if we will make that a straight way, that will come out with force and power and what we need will come out the end of it. <laughs> Jonathan, I don't wanna to get too far ahead of myself here. Thank you, Lord. Um, I think it was on Tuesday, Rick had asked me to uh, send out the PFC for the day that would kind of, um, you know, lead into my message from last week. And, and uh, one thing about like speaking and sharing and stuff, there's always things that you wanted to say that you don't say. And there's things that most of the time is stuff that you're saying, you're like, hey, where's this coming from? No, nothing planned at all. And, and this was one of the things that I wanted to read last week, and it was just the Lord that kept it for today. But I want to read out of Psalms 81. And I want to read um, verse 16. And, and I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation. So Psalm 81, 16 says this, But I will feed you with my spiritual bread. You will feast and be satisfied with me, feeding on my revelation truth like honey, dripping from the cliffs of the high place. And, and well, Rick was actually the one that shared this with me. Um, this is what I, I believe that there's just a grace to when we read this word, right? This is, this, will, this is what satisfies us ultimately, right? We can have all kinds of things, man, that we find satisfaction in. Good things, bad things, um, and the danger in, or the caution sometimes is in when we are finding pleasure in good things that, that we let that kind of be the end all, right? We find a satisfaction. We're like, man, we're not in sin. We're not doing wrong things. We're not whatever. Uh, and that's okay. It's, it's good to, to has, have satisfaction in, in good things. Um, but what is being said here is something that not only satisfies but changes us, right? It transforms us. It's this honey is, remember I said last week that the word is gonna to begin to challenge us challenge us in brand new ways. And, and I was so blessed um, by Adam. Uh, he came up to me after service and, and he's like, man, this doesn't really have anything to do with honey, but, and it really did actually. But he says, man, you know, when, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and he says, you must be born again. Man, it just blessed me so much. I mean, like, you know, here's, here's, man, a guy that I just look up to full of wisdom and just a godly man. And he's like, dude, the Bible says you have to be born again. I mean, obviously he knows that and we all know that. He's like, but man, this is like literal. This is like a real thing. Like you must be born again. If you want to see the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. And I could just hear like the fire in him. And he's like, you know, and I was like, yeah, go ahead, man, go ahead. You know, and he's talking about just Jesus being divinely, you know, born through Mary. And, and it's just like this revelation just came to him. A scripture, man, that we all know, a truth that we all know. And there was just honey on it for him that morning. And it was this, just a story that we're all familiar with, a verse that we all know. And it becomes alive to us, right? And now that thing is what nourishes us. And this is the example of spirit-led truth revelation becoming like honey. And he is the only thing that will truly satisfy us. 
It is only when I'm able to get into his word and find mystery. I love giving this example, right? So if, if we all see kids running around with suckers and stuff in the morning, right? This is like the, uh, the, this is the word, an example of it. You give a child a sucker. They don't just, you know, nobody would give us a sucker and we plop the whole thing in our mouth with wrapper on it and everything, right? You wouldn't do that. It needs unwrapped. It needs to be opened up to get the sweetness that's on the inside. And nobody takes boiled peanuts and like throws shell and everything in there and just crunches on it. Like these things need broken open to get the nutrients that's on the inside. That's the word of God. Right, we could read and you read and you read and then one, in you know, one verse, there's something that just happens, man, and it's just cracked open to you. And now we could see the living man on, in the, on the inside of the living word. And that's what we're after. That's what this honey will do. This honey is going to open up and break through places of our Bibles that we've known and just thought of for decades. Jesus. All right, let's go to 1 Samuel. If you guys have your Bibles with you, let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 14. I kind of want to just go through this line upon line, and and I want to just make sure I'm able to communicate to us this morning what I believe the Lord is saying. And and if we look at the storyline, I believe that it's important to kind of understand the whole context of chapter 14 because it's a storyline that lines up to where I believe that we actually are in the natural. Um, I'm going to begin in just um, 1 Samuel 14, verse 1. Now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. And Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Geba under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men. And I want to stop right there for a moment because in chapter 13, Saul actually starts out with 2,000 men with him. And through a series of events, man, they see the largeness of the Philistine army and guys just start taking off left and right from him. I mean, he is like literally feeling the pressure of his leadership at stake in this moment, right? He is down to 600 men. He started out with 2,000. Somewhere along the line, he loses 1,400 men. They see the vastness of the army, right? And they're hiding in caves. They're, they're, they're hiding in holes. And so now he's left with 600. Jonathan and his armor bearer included in this. So verse 3. Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, was wearing an ephod. But the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other. And the name of one was Bozes, and the name of the other was Sena. Right? So these are large enough mountain ranges that they gave these cliffs names, right? And, and I gave this example, I think on, on New Year's Eve, like maybe the hill out here that runs down to the main road, right? It's not a name worthy hill. It's not like we say you come up over the hill of whatever. And so these were, these were ginormous rock faces. 
Um, Bozes means shiny or slippery, and Sena means thorny, which was the names of these two rock cliffs. cliffs. It was the most improbable route one could choose, thus the surprise to the Philistines when Jonathan is discovered. So in verse 5, the front of the face northward opposed uh, opposite Mishmash, and the other southward opposite Geba. Verse 6, then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving many or by few. And I touched on this a little bit last week, how this word work, it was a, I can't think of anywhere else in the scripture except for later on in this chapter, actually, where somebody prays a prayer and asks to see if the Lord will work for them. Right, he could have prayed. Now this is going to be this this ties together so profoundly because this was a wisdom prayer. This was the honey thing to ask for. He didn't ask if the Lord was going to fight for us, right? Because he's they're about to go to battle. So according to what they see in that moment, it would it would have been right for him to ask if the Lord will fight for us. It would have been right for him to ask the Lord to protect them or deliver them. These would have all been not wrong. But the right thing to do was ask if the Lord will work for us. Now, again, taking this word in context, it means uh, creating something. And because there's no noun attached to it, it means that the Lord was going to create something for them out of nothing. The little did Jonathan know, right? So the Lord isn't even concerned with the battle. He's not concerned with the battle that they're about to go through because he knows what they actually need is for their eyes to be brightened. So when he says, like, listen, this is so amazing. Jonathan is saying, Lord, will you create something for us out of nothing? It's not to win the battle. It's later on in the story when they get to a forest that's dripping with honey. Lord, the Lord naturally creates honey for them out of nothing. The thing that he knows is actually going to brighten their eyes and lift their countenance. Now, sometimes we pray prayers back here and, and we have a journey to go through. Sometimes we have a battle to go through and the Lord is faithful enough to bring us through the battle so we can get to the answered prayer. It's not, we, we often just get caught up in like, Lord, will you deliver us from the, the Philistines this morning? The Lord's like, yeah, I'll, I'll bring you through. But man, I wanted to give you so much more like for any one of our sons or daughters, right, who are going through a battle or through a fight. Imagine, I just thought of this the other night when I was reading this story again and thinking about Micaiah, like, I don't want him to come through a battle and then end up beaten up and, and broken down on the other side of it. Like, that's not the heart of God for us. He's not saying you're not going to go through trials. He's not saying you're not going to go through wars and, and you might get hit in the head or whatever it might be. But what he's saying is that it, I will see you through and I will have my thing waiting for you on the other side. He, he prays this prayer. He says, Lord, let, let's see if the Lord will work for us this day. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. So his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart. Go then, here am, here am I with you according to your heart. Right. So this is covenant relationship. The armor bearer isn't just somebody who, you know, drags someone else's armor around. I and mean, this is a loyal partner in battle. 
right? We've been through battles. That's how this whole message came about is just we've been through the war, right? We've, we've been through the battle over the last few years and, and it's been these thoughts that continue to flood in and, and we see this being said and we don't see that taking place. And we, um, I wanna encourage you guys, if you have a chance, look, look at uh, Larry Randolph's prophetic message you just had for this year. It's called the Year of Contradictions. And man, what an amazing word. Right? But it was, it's been a battle in our minds. That's just been boom, boom. And the awesome thing is, right, we know in chapter 13 that, that Israel, the, the army that Saul had put together, they didn't have weapons of war. They had tools. And our weapons of warfare, they are not carnal. They're not according to the flesh. They are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. These are our weapons of warfare. This army was equipped properly. Uh, verse 8, Jonathan, then Jonathan said, Very well, let us go over to these men, and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, Wait until we come down to you, then we will stand still in our place and not go up to them. But if they say thus, Come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has delivered them into our hand, and this will be a sign to us. He is already prophesying. He is prophesying over an event that has not even taken place. He's like, listen, if they call us up, then we know that the Lord has delivered them into our hand. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison. Again, a garrison is a well-established. This isn't one or two guys on an outpost. I mean, they, they have raiders, which are like their special forces team. They have tens of thousands of Philistine men equipped for battle. This is a garrison. And the Philistines said, look, said, look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes in which they were hidden. These two boys weren't the ones hiding. <laughs> they got it twisted. They clumped them in, right? This, these two fellows right here are part of the remnant. <laughs> you could say it that, that this, is, this is the FOTB of the entire camp of the Israel armor, army in this moment because they weren't in hiding. These men were on the move. They were ready for the task at hand. They had missed, the enemy had mistaken who they were actually speaking to. Then the men of the garrison called to Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us, we'll show you something. In other means, in other words, they're, oh, you, got, you boys want to fight? Come on up here, we'll show you a thing or two. Right? There was mockery behind this statement. Come up to us and we'll show you something. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me and the Lord... Uh, the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees with his armor bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan. And as he came up after him, his armor bearer killed them. The first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men with, within a half an acre of land. And there was trembling in the camp and in the field among the people, the garrison and the raiders also trembled, and the earth quaked so that it was a very great trembling. Verse 16 says this, Now the watchman of Saul in Geba, uh, Geba of Benjamin looked, and there was a multitude melting away, and they went here and there. So you can imagine Saul off in the distance, right? He's just kind of chilling under a, terib or a, a pomegranate tree, but he has somebody looking out. So he has this watchman watching what's going on over the valley and all of a sudden there's some rumblings going on and the guy's kind of like looking over the hill like, man, what's going on over there? What's going on over there? Now he gets Saul's attention, right? 
Verse 17, then Saul said to the people who were with him, now call the roll and see who has gone from us. Saul is always concerned. <laughs> he just lost 1,400 men. He is concerned at this point of who's with him, who is left, who's against him, can I trust anyone? Like he just feels like he, he, his leadership is completely under attack for good reason. <laughs> for good reason. And when they had called the roll, surprisingly, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. Now, somewhere between verse 18 and verse 23, Saul gives this command to his army, to the rest of the men with him, that they were not to eat food. Okay, And we'll, we'll get down to this part. And Saul said to Ahijah, bring the ark of God here, for at the time the ark of God was with the children of Israel. Now what happened, and I'll, I'll try to paint a picture for us here because this is somewhat comical. Now it happened while Saul talked to the priest that the noise which was in the camp of the Philistines continued to increase. So Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand from me. Right, so this is basically, uh, you can imagine like maybe being in a prayer line and your favorite speaker is just, you know, gave a great message and it's the altar call time in and you're just out there like waiting for the Lord to, you know, touch you and the guy is praying for the person next to you and you've got this anticipation like man I'm next I'm next and you hear some rumblings going on well, now all of a sudden you're starting to really get kind of distracted and as soon as that minister goes to lay hands on you and part to you you actually swat his hand away and you're like man I got time for this I got to go see what's over here and you just take off running that's what Saul is doing in this situation right he inquired sometimes so listen remember even just that Psalm 27 be of good courage Wait on the Lord. He says, again, I say wait. Because Saul is trying to do the right thing here. He's trying to inquire the priest about what God is saying to him. And then he says, withdraw your hand from me. I don't have time for that. I've, right, we just came through so much distraction. Everywhere we would look, man, we would set ourselves up. We would posture ourselves. Lord, here am I. Send me. I'm waiting for you, Lord. And just the slightest bit of noise, man, which at least for me. I don't know if you guys are part of that or not, but man, what the news was saying, what the world was saying, what the, all this stuff was just saying, it, my attention was being so easily distracted. That season's over. Praise God. Verse 20, Then Saul and all the people who were with him assembled, and they went to the battle. And indeed, every man's sword was drawn against his neighbor, and there was a great confusion. More, I mean, we could see this just, man, wildly taking place. Moreover, the Hebrews who were with the Philistines before that time, who went up with them into the camp from the surrounding countries, they also joined the Israelites. So we just have just more and more people piling in. Because let me tell you something, when you are in a battle and it's you and your thoughts and, and other things taking place around you, you might be the only one there. But when you start taking ground and you start to really push through and the enemy's starting to really tremble, well, now that boldness that you're walking in, it starts stirring up in other people. It's like, wow, man, you're actually taking ground. Hey, I'm going to grab my stuff. I'm going to come with you now. That's the momentum that we're, we are believing, that we are going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I'm telling you, the, the snowball has started <laughs> And it might be a slow roll right now, but you watch what God starts to bring in from the highways and the byways. 
we're going to see the people, listen, the spirit of God is going to be so drawing because we are lifting Jesus up. It says that he is going to draw all men to himself and it's beginning to roll. It's picking up momentum. We're breaking through. We're gaining victories left and right. We're pulling down strongholds and God is giving us a territorial mindset. He's doing something in us to where our mindset now, our worship now, our prophesying and our declarations now are not just for this people. They are going out. They are breaking through. Up until this point, I want to say this, that the enemy has occupied the air. Now, I don't know. This is, this is some spiritual warfare and it's a... Uh, Witchcraft in the region has occupied the air, okay? But God is giving us insight. He's giving us direction. He's giving us wisdom. And we are taking not just territory on the land. We're taking territory in the air. Our praise is going to go further than it did before. Right? Our prayers, our intercession, our groanings, they're going to reach places that they just couldn't before. Jesus. Verse 22, likewise, all the men of Israel who had hidden in the mountains, see, they're coming out of hiding. Listen, I'm just prophesying now, even prodigal sons and daughters are coming. They've walked with the Lord. They've had battles. They know who Jesus is. And something happened to them where they were under fear. They were under a lie. They were hidden for a season, but they're coming home. They came out of the mountains of uh, Ephraim when they heard that the Philistines fled. They also followed hard after them in the battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day and the battle shifted to Beth-Avon. Now listen, I wanna, this really kind of breaks open to us here in verse 24. And the men of Israel were distressed that day for Saul had placed the people under oath saying, cursed is the man who eats any food until evening before I have taken vengeance on my enemies. So none of the people tasted food. This word tasted, this Hebrew word is the exact same word that we find in Psalm 24, or I'm sorry, 34, when it says taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, we are not Israel in this story, but I think it would be silly for us to not learn from what happened to them. So this word tasted, it actually means, it's an amazing word. It means to perceive, discern, or to evaluate. So this, this oath, right? All of us have believed the lie at some point about anything. I mean, really ourselves, about the word, what will happen, what won't happen. This is the charge, that, this oppression that Saul had put on them. So you can imagine the war going on and somewhere between those verses, he says to, to the army, and none of you will eat any food until evening until I get my vengeance, right? It was just an oppressive thing that was on them. Again, this word tasted, the Israelites were not able to perceive. They were not able to perceive, they were not able to evaluate, and they were not able to discern anything, where they were, what they were under, what they were following. They just knew that there was a war going on, and hey, they were told not to do something, and man, we're just going to go out here and start swinging stuff. Now, the Lord brought them through, and this is the level of discernment that I believe that we're going to be able to break into, and I'll, and I'll show you something that's fascinating at the end of this. 
they were not able to perceive, they were not able to discern, and they were not able to evaluate. So let's, let's flip over to verse 25. And that's important to know because of this verse. Now, all the people of the land. So you can imagine it wasn't just the 600. It wasn't just Jonathan or his armor bearer. It says that all of the people in the land came to a forest. And there was honey on the ground. And when the people had come into the woods, there was honey dripping, but no one put his hand to his mouth for the people feared the oath. This is the same thing that happens to us when we are living in fear. Whether it be the fear of man, the fear of death, the fear of whatever it may be, it is something that causes us to not be able to see accurately, right? They are hungry. Verse 20, 27, but Jonathan had not heard his father charge the people with the oath. Therefore, he stretched out the end of the rod that was in his hand and dipped it in the honeycomb and put his hand to his mouth and his countenance brightened. Now, I want to I want to focus on something here because what's um, remember last week was Samson reaches into the lion and he gets honey and he eats some on the way and then he gives some to his his mom and his dad. Right? That was the testimonies that we are able to bring to each other and the testimony is to encourage and to 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 you know let you know like man if the Lord has done it for you he'll do it for me. But there's something that didn't take place with Samson's parents that took place with Jonathan. And it was this, that he extended his rod and he put his hand to his mouth and his eyes were brightened because we've all got to get honey for ourselves. It wasn't that he was able to feed the army with him. It wasn't that someone brought him honey. You've got to be able to take the tool that's in your hand and you've got to decide that you're going to put your hand into the honey and put your hand to your mouth that your eyes would be encouraged and be enlightened. It was his rod in his hands that he dipped in a honeycomb. He put his hand to his mouth and his countenance brightened. Then one of the people said, this is, this is amazing. And this is the level of discernment that I want to start to walk in myself personally because I don't want to just know what's right and wrong. I want to know what's right and almost right. Then one of the people said, your father strictly charged the people with an oath saying, cursed is the man who eats food this day. That's not what was said. It's close. It's close. The charge that went out was nobody's supposed to eat food till evening. They reiterate, yeah, we were told we can't eat food this day. Well, that's a big difference. If you're asking me that, man, I could go till six, seven o'clock at night and not eat food, that's one thing. If you're telling me, man, I've got to wait all the way till the next day to eat, that's a completely different thing that's actually being said. But because of the lie that they were under, man, they weren't even able to really accurately hear what was being said. Listen, fear will cause us to hear things that were never said. Offense will cause us to hear things in each other that, man, I didn't say that. And I want this level of discernment. I don't want to just know the right from wrong, man. I want to know the difference between right and almost right because this charge changed everything. The place that they were actually standing. So when you break into the study of how far the battle was, I'll, I'll get there, watch this. It's not what, it's not what was said. 
and the people were faint, but Jonathan said, my father has troubled the land. Look now how my countenance has brightened because I had tasted a little bit of honey. I mean, he's even saying like, listen, my father has troubled this land, but look what has just happened to me when I ate just a little bit of this honey. How much better if the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies, which they had found. For now would there not have been a much greater slaughter amongst the Philistines. Now they had driven back the Philistines that day from Mishmash to Agilon, so the people were very faint. It's important to know that between these two cities was 16 miles. 16 miles from the place that they began to fight to the place that they ended. So you can imagine us, right, going and on a war path on a, uh, during a battle for 16 miles. Guys, the time of day that it ended up being when they get to this forest was evening. The oath was not even in effect any longer. They were fully able to come, not, not offending Saul, but if they would have heard, right, not, don't eat food until the evening, and it was evening, and here they come into a forest dripping with what would have enlightened them, would have brightened their eyes. And because they weren't able to perceive, discern, or evaluate what was even going around, around them, they completely missed what God had provided for them right in front of them. They were fully able to partake in everything that Jonathan was and not have gone against Saul. But this is what happens when hunger turns ravenous, when we don't see what it is that God has placed right before us to, to be sustenance and to be nourishment, right? When I try to find satisfaction in anything other than him, this is what happens. And this is going to be our temptation. I want to, I want to encourage you in this. We're going to see the things that we've prayed for happen. Okay. We're going to see the breakthrough in our nation take place. We're going to see the things, it is clear throughout the entire book of Psalms, what is stored up for the righteous and what the destiny of the wicked are. Our temptation, because we're going to see it. It's going to be, it's going to be evident. It's going to be all around us. The temptation for us is going to be to not to eat of the spoil of our enemy but to only eat that which God is continuing to give to us. So what I mean by that is when we see these things taking place, don't let it satisfy you. Rejoice and, and be glad, but don't stop there. Don't let it be, hey, the nation is turning around. Okay, now I could, now I could cool out a little bit in my prayer time. Now I can, hey, I don't have to be in so tense about pressing in. We aren't to eat and to be satisfied with the spoil of our enemy but let us continue to eat that which God has provided for us. That's gonna be what changes us. And the people rushed the spoil. So here they are starving. They actually don't even think twice about going back to where they came from. Now you're traveling another journey. Listen, they are still as hungry as they were. They took sheep and oxen and calves and slaughtered them on the ground, the same place that the honey would have been. And the people ate with the blood. Then they told Saul, saying, Look, the people are sitting against the Lord by eating with the blood. He said, You have dealt treacherously. Roll a large stone to me this day. You guys, they passed up on what would have brightened their eyes to only fill their bellies. 
And that ravenous, right, their hunger turned ravenous when they decided to eat of the spoil of their enemy. They were so hungry, they were so, they could not evaluate, discern, or perceive. The same place that they end up killing all these animals was the same place that they had an entire forest filled with what God had provided. I want to jump over to verse uh, 43. Okay. And Saul said to Jonathan, right? So they so basically John or Saul wants to know who, who has committed this sin today, what caused this sin today. He brings the priest to him, they cast lots. Basically, it comes down to, to uh, Jonathan being highlighted. And, and uh, Saul said to Jonathan, tell me what you have done. And Jonathan told him and said, I only tasted a little honey with the end of my rod that was in my hand. So what, now I must die? He's not saying this as a victim. He's, he's not, right, Jonathan or Saul is saying that, man, even Jonathan, if this, if this was my son that did this, he, he even will be put to death. Saul is not having, compa- he wants to know, why is there sin in my camp? Not even looking at himself and being like, man, well, I'm the one that put the oath on him. So when Jonathan says that all I did was put my rod out and I ate a little bit of honey, he's not saying this in a wimpy, cowardly kind of way of, what now now I'm going to, all I did. No, he's saying, listen, man, all I did was eat that which God had provided me. You got the wrong one. You're looking at the wrong place. If anything, I would look all, because all of our, all of our, reasons for being satisfied outside of him alone actually have a root there's still something that we haven't yet surrendered to god fully that he would be the only one that would fully satisfy because what he's saying basically is man if you look at your people they're the one that ate with the blood but if you look all the way back to the root of actually actually what took place you're the one that put this oath on them so our origin, right, there's, there's a place to where if, if I'm living and I'm finding satisfaction that is, that is not drawing me deeper to him, there is, a, there is a, even a greater root of something in me that the Lord wants me to surrender. Saul answered, God do so and more also, for you shall surely die, Jonathan. But the people said to Saul, Shall Jonathan die who has accomplished this great deliverance in Israel? Certainly not. As the Lord lives, not one hair on his head shall fall to the ground. Remember what, what Jonathan says to his armor bearer about, let's see if the Lord will work for us this day. This is what, now they weren't there. The whole other part of Israel was not with Jonathan and his armor bearer when Jonathan prays this prayer, but watch what they say back. Not one hair on his head shall fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day. The original prayer that goes out, the original decree that goes out is they'll see if God will work with us. Then it's said about Jonathan, no, he's not gonna die, for Jonathan has worked with God. It was this partnership, and this is what I'm saying, honey is gonna come to us in this degree. We're going to know what to do with the tools that we have. Have you ever just like not known what to do? I mean, like my, my heart burns most of the time. Like, Lord, I want to do something. I want to accomplish something. I want to do something for you. And, and man, I try this and it goes good for a week or so and then it falls off. And I try this and it goes good for a month or so and then it falls off. But what's going to happen is it's going to become honey on our life to the degree that we're going to have this cry, Lord, I want to work with you and you work with me. We're going to partner with God and we're going to see the kingdom of God advance through this place to a greater degree. 
They chose to fulfill the lust of their flesh rather than feed their spirit. There is honey for us. There is honey for us. It is the thing that is going to brighten our eyes and lift our countenance. I don't want to get distracted by the noise going on around me, and I certainly don't want to feast on the spoil of my enemy. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be glad that God is faithful in doing what he said he would do. And I'm going to continue to press in. I'm actually, listen, as we see these things unfold, I I pray this, that you become even more, uh, I, I pray that the gate becomes even more narrow. I pray that your road becomes even more narrow to the degree that you become even more pressure coming out of that hose. That it won't be just a small trickle, that the kingdom of God, that his presence, his glory will come out of you with such great force and magnitude that people will be changed all around you no matter where you are because you continue to eat that which God has provided. There's honey for us. And so listen, I wanna just take a moment and, and pray and, and ask the Lord if you've, if you've been in this battle and you, we prayed for each other last week and even before this morning, if you're just weary, let me just pray over us actually. You know what, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness to provide for us that which we exactly need. And sometimes, Lord, from the time we pray to the time that we feast, there are, there's enemies encamped around us. There's a journey that we must take. But Lord, I thank you that you have prepared a table for us in the midst of our enemies. Lord, causing them to have to look and to see that the Lord is good, that you will uh, continue to be faithful towards us. Lord, I pray that as we, can, as we uh, to a greater degree, see breakthrough in our nation, God, I'm, I thank you, Lord, that we're going to see evil pulled down and rooted up from, from within. God, I, I thank you that we are going to see the things that we've longed for, that we've prayed for, that we've wept for. And Father, I pray that we will not be satisfied with those things alone but it only causes us to cry out even more, to press in even more, to wait on you even all the more, to believe all the more. Lord, let us not miss what you have provided for us in this moment. I I bless you with rest. I pray for the war in your minds to cease in Jesus' name. I pray for the the, the, uh, journey between your mind and your heart, the contention between your desires and what the Lord is calling you to do and, and where you might currently be in your life. I pray honey over you in Jesus' name. Let it be sweet. Let it be healing to your soul and to your bones. I pray for honey to come upon your time with the Lord. When you read the Bible, it it breaks it open. There's a sweetness that comes up out of it. The scriptures that we've all known for our our whole lives, I I, I pray begin to take on a completely different uh, viewpoint for you. New, fresh revelation. Lord, I pray that you help us to taste and see that the Lord is good. Lord, that you would continue to allow us to perceive, discern, and evaluate. Lord, I thank you that honey is the new wine. It is the thing that will influence us the greatest in this hour. Jesus. 
Jesus. Lord, I thank you that honey will, will deliver us from addictions and uh, shortcomings. Lord, I thank you that you're going to continue to stir us up, to cause us to be hungry, to cause us to thirst for righteousness. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, I just bless us today, Lord. I thank you for your presence, for, your, for you responding with yourself during worship, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We praise you, Jesus, the everlasting one. You did not die on that cross. You live and you are here amongst us. You dwell in us. So we give you praise. <clears throat> Last week, each and every one of us got to be anointed and it was orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. And I felt the strength and the power and comfort in doing that together as a family, and especially by anointing all of the children with us. And maybe they had some questions uh, for you parents about anointing. Maybe you had questions yourself. I did, because I think there's something more that we were anointed for. In um, the fourth chapter of Luke, Jesus talks about why he was anointed, what his anointing was for. And he was in his hometown of Nazareth and he was preaching in the temple, temple and he read from the scroll of Isaiah and he gave three things. Here's why I'm anointed to preach, deliver, and heal. And then of course, later on in his ministry, he said he'd leave us the Holy Spirit and we would do the very same things. So you're all anointed to preach and deliver and heal. Including all of the children that we anointed. There's nothing that says they can't lay hands on. They can't speak the word of Jesus to one another. There's something deeper in our anointing. There's, there's a place further that we have to go about our anointing, and I want that to take place in communion. You're communing with the Lord today, and I want you to ask Him about these gifts. Maybe you've never opened them. Ask Him about your anointing. Come to the table this morning with that as a purpose, to remember who Jesus was and what he did and remember the gifts that he promised you. Take the cup and the bread this morning and go deeper, go deeper in communion, 
Go deeper into your anointing. Open your gift this morning, amen.